On May 3, 2017, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation and Yes Europe Lab hosted a conversation with Luigi Di Maio, Vice President of the Chamber of Deputies in the Italian Parliament and a leader of the Five Star Movement, Italy's leading opposition political party. Arkan Fung, Ford Foundation Professor of Democracy and Citizenship and HKS Academic Dean provided opening remarks. Welcome everyone to tonight's Ash Center discussion. My name is Arkan Fung and I'm the Academic Dean here at the Kennedy School and a faculty member at the Ash Center. Tonight, we have the privilege of engaging with the leader of the Italian Five Star Movement, which is currently one of the leading political forces in Italy. I'm extremely excited about tonight's conversation uh, to learn more about M5S, but also to shed light on the in incredible um, political moment in which we live. M5S, as the party is known, was one of the earliest in the current wave of anti-elite, anti-government populist movements that are sweeping so many Western democracies right now. I include among this number the uh, victorious vote to leave the European Union in the UK's Brexit vote, widely support for Marie Le Pen and perhaps Emmanuel Macron and Jean-Luc Mélenchon in the recent French elections, and with a quite different politics, Podemos in Spain. And a similar energy was part of the movement that led to Donald Trump's victory here in the US presidential campaign. There's no doubt that there's an enormous wave of political energy around right and left, if those coordinates even make sense anymore in this contemporary context, around so-called populist parties and candidates now. Yet, uh, just on a little bit of a personal but relevant note, I've received many complaints about inviting Mr. DeMeo here tonight to speak with us. I believe that those complaints are misguided. It is extremely important that at the Kennedy School we engage with political leaders very different from our own. Mr. DeMaio's experience, the presence is here is all the more important, no matter what your political views, because events with populist conservative speakers are very, very rare here, maybe even about as common as unicorns. So we often have speakers, many speakers from the center left, somewhat le fewer speakers from the center right. I believe that the Kenny School audience is typically comfortable with populist left speakers, but to my memory, Mr. DeMaio, I think you probably resist this characterization, but some people would say, see you as a speaker from the populist right. To my, from my memory, we haven't had such a speaker despite all of these enormous political victories all over Western democracies. It's remarkable. So welcome here tonight. Thank you. Um, so I would very much like to thank Valer uh, Valerio Rivas and Gianfranco Gianfrate from the US Europe Lab at HKS for taking the initiative on this event and bringing Mr. DeMaio here to campus. They reached out to our guest about visiting us here at Harvard after Dean Elmendorf encouraged the HKS community to, quote, reach out a welcoming hand to people with views about economics, politics, and society that are less familiar to many people in our community. As with other events at the school, we expect a robust discussion and exchange with plenty of opportunity for you who have come tonight to ask questions following Mr. DeMaio's prepared remarks. It should not need to be said that we expect those questions to be sometimes challenging, but also respectful and civil. It's fine to disagree, but don't be disagreeable. First, a few words of introduction. 
Our guest tonight, Luigi Di Maio, is the Vice President of the Chamber of Deputies of the Italian Parliament and leader of the country's Five Stars Movement. In Italy, the Five Star Movement was founded in 2009 by comedian Beppe Grillo, Grillo uh, and uh, Gian Robert, Roberto uh, Cas Casaleggio, Casaleggio. Casaleggio, who is a web strategist who has uh, unfortunately recently passed away. The five stars refer to the central items on the party's agenda. Public water, sustainable transport, sustainable development, a right to internet access, and environmentalism. The party, also known as M5S, built itself into the country's largest party in part through very novel internet methods that allowed them to engage directly with members. I hope that we'll hear a little bit about the Rousseau platform, which I learned at lunch has 200,000 registered members who debate and even vote on party positions and policies, which is uh, extremely interesting. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who wasn't very active uh, once called up several years ago the US Democratic Party because he wanted to get engage in politics. And he said, how can I help out? And the person on the other end of the phone said, well, you can write us a check. That's how you can help. And so I believe that that dynamic in many, among many mature political parties is part of what leads to popular alienation from them and makes opportunities to directly engage very appealing for many people in uh, many democracies, not just mature democracies, but all kinds of democracies. Um, in, 2000, in the 2013 general election, M5S won, M5S won more votes than any other party. Today, it is one of the two leading parties in public opinion polls, and Mr. DiMaio uh, may very possibly be Italy's next prime minister. For members of the party, M5S's online platform helped break the monopoly on political discourse long held by Italy's media, especially under Silvia Berlusconi, similar, maybe some might say, in ways that President Trump has used Twitter to communicate directly with our public. Yet, many controversies surround the party. Some have complained that despite these bottom-up mechanisms, party leaders, especially Beppe Grillo, override members' parties and choices. We'll talk about these controversies. While M5S has been very effective as an opposition party, incredibly effective, many have questioned its ability to govern well in places where it has won, like Rome and Turin, and worry that it cannot govern the whole country effectively if it wins in the general election. And the party has taken controversial positions on policy questions such as participation in the European Union, immigration policy, and vaccines. Uh, finally, before I turn it over, I would like to remind the audience that this event is being video and audio recorded as well as live streamed and that there are journalists in the room, this, on, uh, in the room with us this evening. So if you post a question or ask a question, it will be recorded and publicly available. Please keep that in mind. Please welcome Vice President of the Italian Chamber of Deputies, Luigi Di Maio. Thank you very much. Dear students, professors, and academic staff, first of, of us, first of all, I would like to thank you for this invitation. For me and for the Five Star Movement, it's a great honor. Harvard is an institution which has given a lot, not only to the United States, but to the entire world. This university is a flagship of knowledge progress and innovation. 
Its contribution is essential when looking for solutions and new models to overcome the economic and social crisis and the threats to the environment and climate. I have the, pl the pleasure of being here to talk to you about a unique political experience, an experience of direct democracy, which can already be defined as a game changer for Italian politics and culture. The Five Star Movement and its web platform, Rousseau. Since 2009, the Five Star Movement went from gaining zero to over 25% of the votes, nearly 9 million in the election in 2013. It did this without using any public funds and by encouraging citizens to participate in politics through ways that have never been explored before. The possibility of voting online for a political program to propose, discuss, and amend law proposals is a model of direct democracy that is changing not only Italian politics, but the perception citizens have of politicians. For the Five Star Movement, the era of delegating and being represented is over. And it's time to decide directly on our future. Thanks to the brilliant intuition of the two founders of the Five Star Movement, Gianroberto Casaleggio and Beppe Grillo, we are demonstrating that bottom-up politics is possible. We don't use public money, and we use an innovative platform, the heart of our idea of democracy. The platform is called Rousseau, from the name of the Swiss philosopher. For the first time, citizens can choose their representative, whom we call spokespeople at all levels, from the European and Italian parliaments to the municipal and regional councils. Let me just give you two examples. The elections for the European, for the European Parliament and the elections in Rome. In the first case, we had about nearly 90,000 potential voters and candidates, of which about 5,000 presented themselves as candidates. Among them, 73 were chosen online by the voters and 17 were elected to European Parliament. In the case of Rome, 200 citizens presented themselves online as candidates and we elected Mayor Virginia Raggi and 29 municipal councillors. And before the elections, the citizens of Rome could choose online the priorities for the government. They indicated mobility, transparency, and waste management. These are the guidelines for our mayor today. She has started a transparent plan of sustainable mobility and resurfacing of the roads and in an innovative plan of waste management. There are other functions available on Rousseau. Citizens can propose and discuss laws. Since we arrived in Parliament, 14 laws proposals suggested by citizens have been brought to it. And we have discussed online over 250 proposals by our MPs, which received 100,000 comments. One example is the electoral law. The old parties kept Parliament busy for years with a law that was then declared inconstitutional while the Five Star Movement created a shared and fast path. Within a three-month time frame, the citizens 
could discuss and evaluate the law proposal with the assistance of a university professor and with nine non-light votes. We have presented our proposal for a constitutional electoral law. All this has inspired hundreds of thousands of people. These people used to be disinterested in politics and have been affected by choices imposed on them from above. The Five Star Movement expresses as innovative, an innovative idea of politics and democracy. The pillars of the Five Star Movement are simple. Our representative can be in charge for a maximum of two terms. Because we intend politics as a service and not a, as a career or a way to gain power. We are the only political force which refused 42 million euros of electoral reimbursement that we were entitled to. We showed the old parties that it's impossible, it's possible to be in politics with small donations. Today, the MPs of the Five Star Movement are 123, and since the beginning of their mandate, they waived half of their salary, transferring it to a fund of the Ministry of Small and Medium-Sized Enterprises. Thanks to this contribution, which today has reached over 20 million euros, over 4,500 companies have been created or helped, generating over 10,000 jobs. Our representatives in the local councils did the same, using the money to build a road in Sicily, to refurbish a flooded school, and for other initiatives. We also established an ethical code appreciated by one of the most important Italian magistrates of the anti-mafia. We believe that these principles and achievements have, gain, have given hope to the citizens and helped to prevent anger towards traditional parties, which could lead to extremism. Please allow me now to look back at the history of the Five Star Movement. It all began in 2005, thanks to the Meetup platform that you probably know very well. The first one to use it in a structured way was our Dean, the candidate for the Democratic primaries. Even if he lost against John Kerry, he obtained an extraordinary result by organizing his supporters into Meetups. In 2005, the, five star, the first five-star meetups were born and used to discuss matters completely excluded from the political debate, but essential for the citizens. Public water, clean energy sources, the abandonment of forces sources, and the need for an honest political class that takes serious action against corruption. Because corruption is what holds back excellence and meritocracy. Many proposals were brought to the attention of politicians, but they pretended to show an interest in the real problems of the citizens only during the electoral campaigns. During one of our first initiatives in the Italian street stands in 2007, in one day we collected 350,000 signatures to demand a clean parliament. It was revolutionary. Italian citizens demanded that no one with their conviction could be elected to parliament, to set a limit 
of two terms and that direct preference could be expressed. The political class did not take into account those, these, those citizens who were tired of a caste interested only in its survival. And these 350,000 signatures collected in one day were totally ignored by the Italian parliament. These demonstrations of lack of interest and political brinkmanship motivated us. We had never considered the idea of running for parliament, but we decided what necessary. It was necessary. They forced us to enter parliament, the municipal and regional councils, and the European parliament as agents of change. To date, the movement has had 2,200 local councillors and national MPs, a new generation of representatives who take daily action on concrete issues such as immigration, statute of limitations, and the reform of the banking system. I am one of them. My political path started in 2007. I was 20 years old and I was, like many of my peers, outraged by incapable politicians looking after their own interest only. I wanted to be a protagonist, not a subject or spectator of a system that excluded young people from work, ignored the poverty of families, devastated the environment and empowered more and more the ruling elite. I could not tolerate a system fueled by corruption, a system which cuts public services to feed banks and aggravates public debt, but then goes cap in hand to Europe looking for political complicity. In a context of economic crisis resulting from the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers and the proliferation of junk bonds like the subprimes, Italy stood there watching while other countries tried to react. This was the political context in which the Five Star Movement was born. As a reaction to a system organized to reproduce itself forever, without any change in terms of progress or innovation. And today we are still stuck at the same point. Even the so-called new man failed, promising everything and its opposite, saying we will bring Italy out of the crisis. They had no ideas for the country. They only made the weakest pay to the crisis and safeguarded those who supported their eyes. December 4, 2016 marked a turning point. 20 million Italians strongly reject the dangerous constitutional reform proposed by the former Prime Minister Matteo Renzi. A reform designed to take rights away from the citizens and to give more power to, Prime Minister, to the Prime Minister. And despite a media campaign in favor of the government, 60% of Italians defended themselves from this attack and said no. Now we are getting ready for the upcoming political elections which will be held next year. The Five Star Movement wants to change the way politics is made, is made to bring out the best energies that Italy has, which today are blocked by corruption. The movement wants to promote Italian beauty creativity, history, landscape, talent and genius. These assets are currently oppressed. 
And on this occasion, I would like to invite you to Italy to discover the excellences of our universities. Developing state-of-the-art technology, robotics, energy, environmental management, and to visit our innovative hubs for startups. The Five Star Movement is the first and only political subject in Italy to have promoted a study called Jobs 2025. It aims to understand the trend of future professions and to be ready to, the govern, to govern the change that is already happening. A responsible ruling class has the duty to analyze possible trends and to favor or direct them, always, always aiming for growth and well-being. According to this study, in the developed countries, 20% of the workforce will carry out executive jobs, 30% will perform clerical jobs, and 50% will be employed in the creative industries. The creatives will be placed in the central, of, in central part of the market, more protected and better paid with no fixed working hours or office. We must prepare for this and for other phenomena that will reform the world of work. The, exp the experience of the Five Star Movement is totally different from the parties such as Podemos, Syriza, Front National, FD, UKIP, and others. For us, these parties are already old beca <laughs> because they are totally soaked in ideologies of the past. Obviously, we cannot confuse ideologies with values. The movement is inspired by the values of democracy, rejection of war, anti-racism, and very ki every kind of crime, and in favor of legality. The Five Star Movement is not a political force against the European Union. Rather, it aims to make a union of citizens and not of lobbies and protectionists. The movement asks Europe to implement the provisions of the Treaty of Lisbon. Let's make it a Europe of citizens. And we add, not of the banks. For this reason, we believe it's very important to start a debate about remaining in the Eurozone. Europe is going through a phase of profound changes following Brexit and in view of the upcoming elections in France, the UK and Germany. In a few days, the French presidential runoff will take place. The Five Star Movement has never expressed any preferences during the first round and will not do so now. The reason is simple. We are a post-ideological political force that looks at the facts, not political alignments. The next president of France will be our interlocutor. Our project, for a country like Italy is clear. Unlike the old parties that are still fighting over their seats, we think of the whole program. And for the first time in Italian history, we are already getting our plans voted through. Up to now, we have already voted online on energy policy, foreign policy, labor policy, agriculture, and transport. The path is simple. In the first phase, our blog publishes contribution from experts and university professors on various topics so that the citizens can get the information. Then we ask five questions for each topic and participants can choose yes or no. 
For example, tens of thousands of citizens voted on a program that targets energy efficiency with the saving of final energy consumption and to complete the abandonment of fossil fuel sources by 2050. The program focuses on renewable sources and energy efficiency, creating tens of thousands of jobs. This is the best response to a government absent of energy policies and one which is light years away from European best practices. We can see in Elon Musk's Tesla an example of extraordinary progress. By the way, the same Elon Musk indicates a way to the welfare of the future based on the basic income that we want to introduce in Italy. In addition to these issues, our 200,000 registered people will shortly vote online on our justice program, including anti-corruption measures such as the whistleblowing law and the provocative agent. The extraordinary results we have achieved so far convince us to expand our path of direct democracy. We will continue to use this way to choose our candidates for parliament, the role of prime minister in the upcoming election, and the government team. We will continue to discuss the laws to be proposed and the future government program. Our network today has more than 1,500 local groups in more than 1,000 cities. Our activists are asked for constant engagement in promoting thematic events, involving people and proposing candidates for the elections at every level. The Rousseau platform will be implemented to make this big direct democracy experiment, experiment more and more effective. Also, our Rome administration's administration is about to deliberate on city referendum without quorum, resolution proposals, participatory budgeting, and online petitions that will then be discussed in the Council. Rome will thus be a point of reference for direct democracy in Italy. I would like to thank you for the opportunity to share our, politi our political experience and analyze the future of my country, a future which is more and more linked to the big challenges facing Europe and the rest of the world. Harvard is a synonym for excellence, meritocracy, and vision, values that the five-star movement has stayed since its foundation, which our experiment of direct democracy, we are following our vision of the future, which we have a duty to build for ourselves and for the next generations. This made us become the first political force of the country with over 30% of consensus. In the next months, we will complete the shared process of drafting the program of government. It will be ready by the end of July. In September, we will elect the candidate for prime minister, and then we will identify the, min the, min the ministers which will be presented to Italians before the general elections. In 2018, Italy could have the first government powered by direct democracy. Thank you very much for your attention.
Thank you very much for that uh, very uh, illuminating history of, of your own biography, but of also, the, the, of course, the Five Stars Movement. I think I'll ask a couple of questions and then open it up to the audience, which I'm sure people have lots and lots of questions. Uh, I, I imagine most people will be asking you policy questions, but I want to ask about the demo uh, democracy question. So in the United States, probably one of the organizations that is most analogous to the internet-driven participatory method of the Five Star Movement is the Move On organization, which is an advocacy group that engages participants and members and asks them what they want the organization to do, and then the organization does those things. As a result of that engagement, Move On is an enormous advocacy group, very powerful now. But they've been criticized because the method of direct participation can generate membership and enthusiasm, but may not allow the group to think strategically and in the long term because the issues are determined by a more or less a, a plebiscite, a directly democratic vote. So where's the room for leadership and strategy? And this comes up in two different ways for uh, M5S. The first is political strategy. And we talked a little bit today about the need to make coalitions, to govern, to make tough choices, to maneuver in ways that your, directly de your direct democratic platform may not allow if you're going to be politically victorious. So the first question is about direct democracy and political strategy. The second is about the feasibility of the policies. So through a directly democratic process, people may want all sorts of things that a government cannot deliver. So part of the M5S platform is almost a universal basic income. Part of the M5S platform is that people above a certain threshold, below a certain threshold, every a citizen's income, every Italian below a certain threshold should receive 780 euros a month. Critics have said that this policy, while it gets is very popular, could not possibly be implemented in a way that's fiscally sustainable for government. So the second question is about, is about political feasibility of the direct. Maybe people want things that can't be done. Okay. Can I respond? Yeah. Prima di tutto sul tema della strategia. Ci sono delle decisioni che si prendono con la democrazia diretta. Poi si forma un programma di governo, come lo stiamo facendo, anche con l'aiuto della democrazia diretta. E quella è la strategia a medio e lungo termine, come quando citavo lo studio del lavoro 2025. Well, first of all, uh, with regards to strategy, decisions, of course, are, are made through direct democracy, but then based on the indications coming through direct democracy, we draw up a program, a political program that has, let's say, a medium to long-term perspective. And this is the approach that we followed in the program that I mentioned earlier about employment and work for 2025. Non immaginate un governo powered by direct democracy che fa votare ogni giorno su ogni cosa. C'è un programma elettorale, quindi c'è una strategia a medio-lungo termine per il paese, 
Poi ci sono temi importanti che riguardano i fatti contingenti e, que e su quelli si può decidere insieme ai cittadini se il tema è particolarmente sentito. Well, don't think that, you know, in a direct democracy, uh, citizens are consulted each and every day for every single thing. So we have our own program, which uh, has our own medium to long-term vision. And then, of course, if there are some contingent issues that are of particular interest to the citizens, then they are consulted as well. Quanto, per quanto riguarda la fattibilità delle politiche, invece, e quindi eh, il basic income o, o, o le altre cose, eh, faccio presente che la nostra proposta di reddito di cittadinanza costa 17 miliardi di euro all'anno. Eh, negli ultimi anni eh, le politiche del governo uscente hanno eh, individuato coperture di spesa per alcuni provvedimenti che vanno oltre i 25 miliardi di euro all'anno ed erano gli stessi detrattori che dicono che i soldi non ci sono. In realtà le poste di bilancio, eh, noi abbiamo individuato già tutte le poste, tutti i, i fondi che servono per raggiungere 17 miliardi annui. Ed è comunque una misura espansiva perché il nostro calcolo prevede l'1% di PIL in più in un anno. E poi riguardo la visibilità, e hai menzionato basic income come un esempio di questo, la proposta è di dedicare 17 milioni di euro per anno a questo. And uh, uh, in the last few years, uh, our detractors, so let's say the, the past governments, have dedicated much larger amounts, like 25 billion euros, to all kinds of things. And you know, they're the ones who are saying that 17 billion cannot be done. But as a matter of fact, we have already identified all the funds that are necessary to cover the 17 billion euros that we want to allocate for that. And by the way, you also have to consider that this would generate 1% of GDP per year. Mm. Ma eh, la domanda che fa è molto calzante nel senso che la democrazia diretta non significa che ognuno propone quello che vuole nel suo libro dei sogni, è la responsabilità di una forza politica di direzionare un processo di democrazia diretta verso concretezza e fattibilità ed è per questo che ci avvaliamo di esperti e professori universitari che danno il via al processo decisionale su uno specifico tema. Well, your question is uh, very interesting, and I think that it is perfect for this context. Direct democracy does not mean that everybody gets to express their, their views on everything and share their like, book of dreams, and, and uh, basically, and we act on that. No, because uh, we are a, a political force, and uh, our aim is to guide, let's say, the wishes of uh, the citizens as they're being expressed in a way that they can be feasible, and this is why we involve constantly experts who can then see whether these things are feasible and guide this process towards feasibility. In ogni caso, se permetti a coloro che partecipano con la democrazia diretta di creare un libro dei sogni infattibile, eh, il giorno dopo le elezioni scompari perché li hai presi in giro, non riesci a realizzare quello che hai promesso di realizzare recependo quelle istanze. And by the way, if we once again go back to the metaphor of direct democracy as a way for people to write their book of dreams, that will be a failing strategy because, of course, if these things are not feasible the day after the election, once they see that these things cannot be implemented, you know, at that point they, they will feel as if they've been lied to, and that's going to be the end of it. Okay. Good. So uh, the second question is, uh, does go to policy, and it goes to... Uh, just a couple of policies which people may want to follow up on that the Five Stars Movement has received a lot of criticism about. Um, and 
the, the first question is whether you regard these policies as coming out of the bottom-up, directly democratic impulse, or whether they are policy preferences of leadership. And the first one is the relatively tough stance that M5S has taken on immigration into Italy. And the second one is one in which I think probably uh, most of the Kennedy School community anyway has a very difficult time understanding, which is the stance on vaccines. Per quanto riguarda il primo tema, eh, il Movimento 5 Stelle è nato con l'ambizione di eh, diventare leaderless, eh, libero da leader e sostanzialmente in questo momento senza leader, con un obiettivo fondamentale, cerca di raggiungere eh, un semplice, eh, una semplice promessa, cerca di ottenere una promessa che ha fatto alla sua fondazione, coinvolgere il più possibile i cittadini nelle scelte politiche del Paese e del Movimento stesso. Ci sono dei momenti in cui, quelle poche regole che abbiamo, qualcuno eh, può trovarsi a violarle e in quel caso noi abbiamo bisogno di qualcuno che le faccia rispettare. Chi viene colto eh, in una situazione di eh, violazione delle nostre regole interne viene espulso. Non faccio esempi specifici, ne potrei fare tantissimi, ma sostanzialmente abbiamo basato il, diciamo, questa forza politica su poche regole che sono legate principalmente a eh, trasparenza, codice etico legato ai procedimenti giudiziari e soprattutto eh, un rapporto eh, di legame col movimento che significa se vieni eletto non è che passi in un altro gruppo o al gruppo misto. So regarding the first topic uh, you mentioned, uh, the Five Star Movement was established with the ambition of becoming a leaderless movement. So we don't want to have a leader in the long run. That's part of our, the way we were born. Now, of course, uh, our, our main goal is that of uh, upkeeping the promises that we made when uh, essentially we were founded. And we want to, which is to engage the highest possible number of citizens in uh, the choices that Uh, pertain not only to Italy, but also to the movement itself. And we have a few basic rules. And at this point in our history, we have to make sure that these rules are complied with. And uh, there are many examples of uh, instances when rules were violated and a few members of our movement were expelled. I will not mention them, but I imagine the audience already knows about these examples. And so we have these basic rules, which are transparency, Our ethics code that I mentioned earlier, whereby if you have been convicted, you cannot run for office. And uh, the fact that you have to have, let's say, a relationship of trust, a bond with the movement. So if you are elected in office as a member of the Five Stars movement, you cannot turn coat and change your mind and say, no, I will represent a different political force. Quanto invece ai vaccini? In Italia sono obbligatori per legge, noi non abbiamo nessuna intenzione di eliminare questa obbligatorietà, per noi sono fondamentali e pro vogliamo promuovere il più possibile la cultura dell'informazione sul tema dei vaccini, in modo tale ci possa essere il maggior, la maggiore consapevolezza tra le persone per usufruirne, sia per loro che per i loro figli. Il consiglio che diamo è di consultare i propri medici, di consultare i propri 
eh, il proprio pediatra e di eh, somministrare il vaccino sul consiglio medico. Regarding vaccines, in Italy they are mandatory by law and we have no intention whatsoever of eliminating this uh, obligation, not at all. What we want to do is to promote a culture of information so that people are, are aware and have greater awareness. And at that point, they can make an aware choice. Actually, they have to because it's mandatory by law. But they will vaccinate their children, being aware of everything that is implied. And therefore, we urge everybody to talk to their physicians and to the pediatricians. And therefore, children are then vaccinated because of the indications coming from the doctor. Sul tema dell'immigrazione, in questo momento l'Italia eh, sta pagando il costo più alto tra i paesi europei e il nostro obiettivo principale è riuscire ad affrontare questo tema insieme all'Unione Europea. Abbiamo un regolamento che si chiama Regolamento di Dublino 3, che è un regolamento che non ci consente oggi di eh, distribuire il numero di migranti che arrivano ogni anno, l'anno scorso in Italia ne sono arrivati 180.000, negli altri paesi dell'Unione Europea. È come se ci fosse un muro, ma non è un muro fisico, è un muro regolamentare che si chiama Dublino 3. So regarding immigration, uh, Italy right now is paying the highest price in dealing with, uh, with this situation. And our main aim is that of involving the entire European Union in dealing with this issue. Right now there is a regulation in place that's called Dublin 3, which does not, does not allow us to distribute the immigrants that reach Italian shores in other countries of the European Union. And bear in mind that last year, in 2016, we have uh, received 180,000 immigrants. So that's the inflow. And there is a, a wall right now, which is not a physical wall, and which is a regulatory wall that uh, prevents Italy from distributing these immigrants also in other EU countries. Parliamo di Unione Europea e del fatto che crediamo nell'Unione Europea, immaginiamo che questo muro si possa abbattere con una modifica del regolamento di Dublino 3 che consenta oggi ai 180.000 migranti che sono arrivati solo l'anno scorso e che provengono eh, in maggioranza dal Mediterraneo di poter essere distribuiti negli altri paesi per quote, questo è il termine tecnico, e soprattutto chiediamo che l'Europa si doti di un unico diritto d'asilo con il quale poi possa affrontare anche le eventuali richieste che vengono da queste persone. So uh, basically uh, we believe in the European Union and uh, we believe that this wall that I mentioned previously this regulatory wall can uh, come down in some way and this can be done by changing the Dublin law uh, Dublin 3 regulation that I was mentioning before so that The 180,000 migrants who arrived last year and many more are coming this year can be redistributed throughout the EU territory based on quotas. So each one basically has to uh, take their share of immigrants. And another thing that we rely on and that we want to see from the European Union is to have one single asylum law so that there can be a uniform legislation to deal with the requests that inevitably are coming from these people. Per evitare anche le tragedie in mare nel Mediterraneo sarebbe molto più logico che l'Europa istituisse sul, nelle zone del Nord Africa dei punti in cui queste persone possano fare richiesta per il diritto d'asilo europeo, anche perché dei 180.000 che sono arrivati l'anno scorso la maggioranza non, ha, non avrà mai diritto d'asilo in Italia o in altri paesi europei perché sono migranti economici. 
e in questo caso l'unica cosa che otteniamo è eh, una pentola a pressione che continua, continua a ingrossarsi nelle nostre città, nelle nostre periferie e che prima o poi esploderà se l'Europa non decide di affrontarlo. In conclusione sul tema delle migrazioni, i migranti climatici non sono da sottovalutare, le migrazioni climatiche e quello che stiamo facendo noi dal punto di vista delle emissioni porta i paesi dell'Occidente a dover riflettere necessariamente sulle emissioni del proprio, eh, dei propri eh, distretti industriali, ma in generale delle proprie città, di dei nostri paesi, per cercare di limitare il surriscaldamento terrestre e quindi fermare in parte i fenomeni come la siccità che stanno contribuendo a far partire persone da zone del mondo verso il vecchio continente o altre, altri paesi sviluppati. And, uh... This, uh, these migrants mostly come from uh, the Mediterranean basin and this is why we are basically uh, affected directly by, by this situation. And uh, it would be also a good thing if Europe uh, established like some, uh, some points or some places where uh, people in North Africa who would like to apply for asylum, at that point it would be asylum regulated at European level, they could do so. However, we know that most of the 180,000 migrants uh, uh, actually cannot apply for asylum because they are, let's say, economic migrants. However, this inflow of people constantly unchecked coming into our cities, it's just like a big pressure cooker with pressure mounting, and inevitably it's going to explode at some point if no action is taken. That would be bad for, for everyone, the local citizens, the migrants, and everyone. And we also have to bear in mind that some of, a lot of migration is climate related. It's due to climate change. Because of course climate change is bringing drought in, in many areas of the world, in many areas of Africa especially. And therefore, if uh, Western countries did something to limit uh, the CO2 emissions, the emissions coming from our cities, our factories, uh, that would also contribute to eliminating or reducing one of the reasons whereby more and more migrants are knocking on our doors. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't we open it up to the audience now. If people have questions, I'll try to do, do the best I can to keep the queue. Yeah, go ahead. Buonasera, signor Di Maio. Buonasera. Mi Nicola, cioè Nicola. I'm one of the co-founders of the uh, Yes Europe Lab. Uh, I'm French. Uh, I learned Italian at school <laughs> and then went on to leave in Italy for a little while as part of the amazing Erasmus program delivered by the European Union. And so, not so much French or Italian, deep down, I feel European. And you see, I think that, Mr. Di Maio, you and I, us, have a common past, present, and future that we need to nurture. And so the plan that you have put forward to organize a referendum to withdraw Italy from the Eurozone is very, very worrisome to me. Uh, in the current context that you have uh, summarized with Marine Le Pen, who just said against Emmanuel Macron that she would pretty much do the same, you are threatening to destroy the entire, the entire European construction. You see, my grandfather fought against and killed Germans. My great-grandfather fought against and killed Germans. I really don't want to happen, that to happen for my, for my kids. And, 
And so what you're threatening to tear down is not only a piece of paper and treaties, it's my identity as a European. And so I would humbly enjoin you to think very, very carefully about the fire that you're playing with. Uh, do you want to go down in history as the uh, Italian David Cameron who destroyed the European Union because of Italian politics? I agree, the Union is far from perfect, far from perfect. I hear the anger, I hear the frustration. It requires profound reforms. But you should really fight to change it, not to destroy it, like this referendum points to. You see, in the current context, where we are in a way squeezed between Mr. Trump and Mr. Putin, united we stand, Mr. Limayo. Divided, we collapse. Thank you. Noi non vogliamo distruggere l'Unione Europea, non abbiamo intenzione di distruggerla, anzi vogliamo riportarla ai suoi valori fondativi e cercare di portarla verso un'Europa dei cittadini che significa un'Europa che comincia ad interessarsi dei livelli di povertà delle famiglie europee, dei livelli di disoccupazione e non solo della politica monetaria. Il tema del referendum sull'euro è un tema che noi abbiamo nel programma dal 2013. Where uh, European Union worries about uh, the poverty of European families, it worries about unemployment, and it's not just concerned with monetary policy as is the case nowadays. And the referendum on uh, the euro is something that has been part of our agenda ever since uh, 2013. È un referendum consultivo che si istituisce con legge costituzionale, perché attualmente non è previsto né dalla Costituzione né dalle leggi italiane ma eh, può essere indetto attraverso una legge eh, costituzionale che avrà bisogno di circa un anno per la sua approvazione. So, uh, this kind of referendum in Italy can be uh, launched only uh, by passing a constitutional law. It cannot be done through other ways. And therefore it would take at least a year for this to be done. La procedura aggravata non ha bisogno di un anno, ma noi immaginiamo questo referendum consultivo come un referendum che dopo la sua approvazione comunque preveda un ampio dibattito nel Paese prima della votazione. Let's say that one year is due to uh, the technical timeline that's needed in order to launch this referendum and also there will be an extensive debate before this can happen. Ma in questo anno dove immagino sia il Movimento 5 Stelle al governo, perché stiamo parlando del referendum e quindi della legge costituzionale approvata da una maggioranza che l'aveva nel programma, in questo anno il nostro obiettivo è sederci a tutti i tavoli europei possibili per salvare l'Unione Europea provando a cambiarla, soprattutto nei suoi parametri economici che oggi sotto il nome dell'austerity stanno impoverendo soprattutto i paesi del sud. And therefore, uh, by having this uh, idea of a referendum of the constitutional law that will be needed in order to launch this referendum, which will take a year, 
And at that point in this year, we would sit at the table with everyone all over Europe at whatever table is possible that we can sit in order to save Europe, to change Europe, to change the economic parameters that have guided the European Union so far that have been based on this austerity policy that has penalized mostly the poorer and southern European countries. Chi pensa che discutendo di euro si uccida l'Unione Europea sta sostenendo che l'Unione Europea è l'euro. Io non penso che sia questo, penso che sia molto di più e credo che l'euro debba diventare democratico come l'Unione Europea. Dall'Unione Europea è possibile uscire, dall'euro non è possibile. E nonostante ci siano paesi che hanno un opt-out permanente, che gli consente di stare nell'Unione Europea ma fuori dall'euro per sempre, e altri paesi che invece questa possibilità non ce l'hanno e soprattutto non hanno la possibilità di recedere. Creiamo un euro democratico e poi i singoli paesi decideranno cosa fare. And saying that you cannot talk about the euro because that would mean threatening Europe itself and the European Union, well, that just reinforces the point that the European Union is the euro, pretty much, whereas we believe that European, the European Union is a lot more than that. It goes beyond the euro. The euro should be democratic, just like a country can decide to leave the European Union. Well, if you want to leave the euro, you actually cannot do that, despite the fact that there are countries that have opted out of the euro on a permanent basis in the beginning when they were asked to join. So we simply want to make the euro democratic so that the countries can opt out if they want, and therefore each country can, can decide and make a, the euro more democratic and make it democratic as the European Union is supposed to be. Credo che debba essere tutta la governance europea, farci cambiare idea su questo tema, e vogliamo essere ascoltati ed è anche per questo che portiamo avanti il referendum sull'euro perché vogliamo essere ascoltati come paese and i think that uh, it's the, the responsibility of eu leaders to change our minds about this topic and this idea of the referendum that we have is also to make our voices heard we want to be heard as a country also as italy we want our voices to be heard Yes, thank you very much. So I think that we'll revisit this debate. I think it's a, it's a pretty fundamental difference between people who think that the right policy answer should dominate versus people who think there should be some kind of process and um, leave the answer up to the process. Back here, yeah. Buenas tardes. My name is Wes Leisinger. Um, I am uh, currently here as a student for the Senior Executive Fellows Program which is part of the Kennedy School. Uh, but I'm more, my, my day role is I'm a, I'm a civil servant. I work for the United States Army in Italy. Um, I'm in the, the Army base in Vicenza. So first of all, I would like to, to say that um, I really appreciate Italy um, and our partnership with the United States. Um, I think we have a great partnership and, and it's been uh, you know, ever since the end of World War II. Um, Italy currently provides the second largest number of troops, and a lot of people don't know that, and out of, for the NATO missions in both Iraq and Afghanistan, mm -hmm. which is a huge, huge deal to us. Um, also, uh, the U.S. Army in Vicenza pours about $400 million a year into the local economy there with our contracts as well as our labor force. Uh, we employ almost 1,000 um, Italian employees on our bases, and so it's, it's a great partnership that we have. So my question for you is, if the Five Star Movement were to continue to assume a more prominent role in governing Italy, 
Uh, what would the Italian government's attitude toward the United States forces in Italy, as well as its role in NATO? Thank you. Sul tema delle basi americane, delle forze americane sul nostro suolo, noi siamo paesi alleati e l'unica cosa che vogliamo è un rapporto di reciprocità che possa essere leale e corretto. Che cosa significa? Dal punto di vista della Nato, noi personalmente non siamo d'accordo ad aumentare la spesa militare che ha chiesto il Presidente Trump. Regarding uh, U.S. bases in Italy and the presence of U.S. forces, uh, more in general, well, the United States, uh, they are our allies. They've always been our allies. We only want reciprocity. We want to have a relationship that's based on loyalty and that is fair. However, the proposal to increase military spending, talking about uh, NATO, as President Trump has advocated time and again, this is something that we do not agree with. Uh, ma non vogliamo uscire dalla NATO. Pensiamo che la NATO debba eh, riformarsi, ma debba riformarsi con tutti i paesi che ne fanno parte, debba cominciare a guardare anche diversamente ai rapporti con altri paesi, pensiamo alla lotta al terrorismo, ma non vogliamo uscire dalla Nato, questo non l'abbiamo mai detto. Per quanto riguarda invece missioni come l'Afghanistan, eh, la missione in Afghanistan per noi eh, non è una missione per la quale valga la pena continuare a restare lì. Abbia, non siamo contro gli interventi eh, all'estero, ma devono essere interventi di peacekeeping. Eh, noi abbiamo delle missioni all'estero come le missioni in Libano o altro che pensiamo siano delle buone missioni, ma eh, siamo per il ritiro delle truppe italiane dall'Afghanistan, questo lo abbiamo detto più volte. And uh, regarding NATO, once again, we have no intention of uh, leaving NATO. We think that NATO uh, should be reformed in some way. And uh, also we have to look at relations uh, with other countries in a different way, especially if we consider the fight against terrorism. Regarding Afghanistan and uh, the mission that you mentioned and the contribution that Italy is giving, well, uh, we uh, believe that that mission is not worth supporting on our end anymore. We have nothing against missions in other countries, but they have to be peacekeeping missions. Uh, for example, the one that we had in Lebanon, that we consider a very praiseworthy endeavor, but we would want to withdraw Italian troops from Afghanistan, definitely. Okay. Uh, you had a question uh, in the third row there. Yes. Hi, um, visiting Harvard for a couple of days um, from the University of Trento. I hear with pleasure that today you presented a five-star movement which is much more in line with the rest of Italian parties on vaccines, on the euro, on the European Union, on migration, and even on where the policy proposals come from, that is from a group of experts. Uh, in fact, you presented a five-step movement which is much, much more similar to the other Italian parties, so this is quite uh, pleasing. Uh, I wonder whether you want to um, confirm whether on one position you still hold the ground, which is, is it true that you are not willing to govern unless you get more than 50% plus one of the votes, therefore are not, I mean, depending on what the electoral uh, law will be. But the, the, the message that was repeated over and over that um, the five-step movement, movement does not want to 
form alliances with any other party and therefore you will govern only alone. Can you confirm that? The coalition question. Confermo il fatto che non siamo disponibili ad alleanze con altre forze politiche, ma non stiamo guardando al 51% come risultato elettorale, anche perché dobbiamo capire quale sia la legge elettorale per le prossime elezioni politiche. Attualmente ce n'è una per la quale quando si raggiunge il 40% ha il 55% dei seggi. Adesso si sta discutendo di abbassare le soglie, ma questa è una discussione che, eh, anzi aspettiamo il segretario del Partito Democratico cosa voglia fare, perché gli abbiamo fatto una proposta sul tema della legge elettorale, e capiremo quale sia il sistema per andare al voto. Um, in generale, um, prego, prego okay. prima e poi andiamo. Well, I do confirm that we're not open uh, to alliances, establishing alliances with other political forces. However, uh, we do not uh, expect or desire to just have 50% of the votes plus one, and that's the only condition whereby we would be willing to govern. Also because the uh, electoral law now is uh, undergoing a reform, and therefore right now uh, if you get 40% of the votes you're entitled to 55% of the seats in parliament. But there's a debate in progress on this, and uh, there's a proposal to reduce this threshold from 40% maybe to 35%. And uh, actually we're waiting for a reaction from uh, the secretary of the Democratic Party because we have sent him our proposal and we're waiting for him to react to this proposal we need. Quanto alla prima considerazione, in Italia il paradosso è che tutte le forze politiche ormai dicono le stesse cose, la differenza la fa chi mette in pratica le cose che dice e su questo ho ascoltato fin troppo per anni le stesse proposte e adesso per questo faccio parte del movimento perché non attribuisco credibilità alle proposte alle promesse degli altri. Well, you know, uh, you were kind of hinting at the fact that all political parties kind of sound the same like in Italy there's this paradox so that they kind of all say the same things, but the difference is when it comes to putting things into practice and uh, for too many years I have listened to empty words and empty promises and this is the reason why I joined the movement, you know. Those words have no credibility anymore. The difference is who is going to put these things into practice. You had a question. Hi, good evening. Uh, my name is Mario. I'm a pediatric cardiac surgeon and I work in New Zealand, actually, but I'm from Naples, so we are. Oh. <laughs> and actually, we're also peers because I got exactly your age. Oh. And. Um, No, my question is a bit proctory, and um, well, hell is paved of good intentions, and uh, I strongly believe that nowadays uh, it's unacceptable to speak only about honesty. Uh, you, movement, always talk about that. I don't think anything new in this, I don't see anything new in this new political class, and I really cannot believe that how you guys pretend to govern without any sort of preparation, knowledges, or intellectual tools. It is clear that the movement, head of people tired of the system, uh, frustrated of the corruptions that we got in Italy. But for people like me, I educated. I studied six year university plus five year postgraduate training in cardiac surgery plus two years subspeciality training in pediatric cardiac surgery. 
And uh, who struggled to get a position in Italy. In fact, I live 18,000 kilometers away from Naples. And actually, you know, I really miss the pizza, the mozzarella, and the pasta. <laughs> Cannot the accept the politics people uh, and this party that is uh, made up by people with a very low education. Honestly, like you, Mr. Di Mario, that, you know, didn't finish the, the university. And he's um, actually talking in this temple of the education. It talks about the excellence of the university, but actually didn't manage to finish and declared recently that you don't want to finish university because you think that professor could have a special consideration of you uh, to pass your exams. So the question is, how would you think that this party could manage this bias between good ideas and intellectual tools that many people don't have? I was really, really astonished to listen to Mr. Taverna who talks about vaccination, and I don't know which kind of a preparation Ms. Taverne has, because she was a, a personal assistant in the laboratory of analysis in Rome, and I am a cardiac surgeon. I cannot accept this person talking to me about vaccination. Thank you very much indeed. You, so this is a, just to frame it a, a little bit. I think that this is a, a key, um, key conflict in not just the M5S, but all over the popular movements in Europe and the United States is that uh, many intellectuals and elites uh, are uh, quite taken aback, maybe terrified by the political support of um, new leaders who haven't governed ever, who don't have much experience in governing, and so are afraid that the lack of expertise will spell disaster for their countries and maybe for the larger regions. Premesso che ognuno può avere le sue opinioni al di là del titolo di studio e vi ringrazio e sono onorato di questo invito qui, sono stato invitato, anzi io ringrazio chi ha organizzato questo, questo incontro, questo speech e questo confronto e penso di essere uno di quelli che rappresenta una forza politica che voleva avere più tempo per formarsi, per crescere e per provare a governare questo paese. Ma visto che gli esperti, quelli preparati, lo hanno ridotto in queste condizioni, non ha tempo per riuscire ad organizzarsi con lentezza e per questo molti di noi hanno lasciato la vita che facevano e hanno deciso di impegnarsi in prima persona per provare a cambiare le cose. Ci riusciremo? Non lo so. Di certo io gli esperti li ho visti già all'opera e abbiamo visto in che condizioni è l'Italia. Non mi permetto di giudicare gli altri paesi. Well, uh, first of all, uh, we are all entitled to our own personal opinion, even if you do not hold a degree, each one <laughs> has their own opinion. And by the way, I was invited here, and it has been a pleasure for me to be here and, and speak, and I would like to thank the organizers and those who have invited me here. However, I represent the political force uh, that really wanted to have more time to be prepared and get ready and have the necessary preparation to deal with the task at hand. However, uh, these scholars and experts that have been running the show so far have kind of destroyed our country. I do not want to talk about the United States, of course, but I'm talking about Italy. So looking at all these experts at work, uh, well, that gave me a sense of urgency that I had to take action at that point. I could not you know, dedicate any more time to getting prepared like I had wanted to. Ma non ci sto a far passare il Movimento 5 Stelle per una forza politica 
che non ha preparazione, può non avere esperienza, non ci siamo da molto tempo nelle istituzioni, ma il nostro obiettivo è coinvolgere le migliori risorse del Paese e metterle a servizio di un progetto comune. Quindi tutti quelli che vogliono darci una mano, tutti quelli che vogliono provare a cambiare il nostro Paese, tutti quelli che hanno una propria storia personale, accademica, vengano a darci una mano, perché è un movimento che vuole provare a cambiare le cose con le migliori risorse della nostra nazione. Well, and I would say that the Five Star Movement it does not have experience, you know, we've been created only recently, but uh, I do not agree with the fact that we are not prepared and that there is no preparation at all. Actually, our ambition is to engage the best resources, the best people and the best minds that we have in our country, whoever wants to contribute to changing things. Everyone is welcome with their expertise, with their knowledge, with their backgrounds. This is what we would like to see happening and what we want to encourage. Good. I think part of the problem, I'll use the medical analogy, is that um, many people supporting M5S and popular movements in the United States suspect that there's a too close relationship between economic elites and policy experts or other kind of experts. So when I go to a doctor, I want the doctor to have my health at, at first. If I think what they're doing, they're doing what they're doing to publish in a famous medical journal or to get a pharma contract, then I don't like that doctor. I want a different doctor. No, it was about expertise and preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go over here. You've been waiting for a few minutes. Um, hello, uh, my name is Fabrizio, and this is a perfect follow-up uh, after your question. Um, I'm glad that you've been invited here in Boston. Uh, Boston is a city of innovation. And the, the Five Star Movement is proposing a strong, innovative way to do politics. Uh, the direct democracy is outstanding. Uh, I'm an expert in energy, energy storage, and sustainable transportation. I've managed over $10 million from the Department of U.S., Department of Transportation, Energy, and NASA. And over the last year, I shared my experience with the Five Star Movement through the platform Rousseau. That I suggest all of you to, if you have expertise in a specific field, I suggest you to to register and uh, collaborate uh, uh, through, the, uh, through the platform. And um, my question is uh, about this, if there is any law proposal to incentive uh, Italians around the globe to uh, go back to Italy, and if not, if, if I'm, I may propose like uh, a proposal to the Russo platform. Thank you. Noi solo l'anno scorso abbiamo perso 115.000 cittadini, l'anno prima 105.000 cittadini italiani che sono andati via. Il trend dell'anno scorso vede eh, un aumento dei over 45, che significa che non solo i giovani stanno espatriando, ma anche eh, in alcuni casi molti pensionati, in altri casi anche fasce eh, di età più alta rispetto a quella che immaginavamo. Well, last year uh, 115.000 italian citizens left the country. The year before it was 105,000 people. 
So uh, what we have seen last year in particular, that this trend has increased in the population that's older than 45. So it's not the traditional you know, young people looking to you know, find fame and fortune in another country, but it's uh, older people as well, even retired people. So it's a different kind of situation. Prima di tutto dobbiamo fermare questa brain drain e eh, provare a rimettere al centro da una parte gli investimenti e dall'altra il sostegno al reddito come politiche pubbliche, i due asset fondamentali del Movimento 5 Stelle. And we have to stop this, uh, this brain drain and uh, uh, the two pillars uh, for the Five Star Movement in order to do this is once again to focus on investments and also find ways to support income with the basic income proposal that's at the center of our agenda. Uh, del basic income abbiamo parlato, ne ha parlato anche mm-hmm. prima il eh, professore sul tema della eh, anche sostenibilità economica. Sul tema degli investimenti invece, lavoro 2025, che è lo studio che ho citato nel mio speech, prevede entro il 2025 che in Italia il 50% dei nostri lavori eh, saranno lavori creativi. Eh, questo non significa che siano lavori di serie B, sono il mondo delle nuove tecnologie, ma anche il mondo applicato al turismo alla cultura e all'insegnamento. Questo settore eh, deve ricevere nuovi investimenti, sia sulle start-up innovative, sia sul mondo della ricerca e dello sviluppo. Tony Sage. Oh, 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 oh sorry, yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm okay, okay. necessary evil. I'm sorry about that. So, since we have already talked about basic income and ways to support you know, the income of our citizens, now I would like to talk about, invest- talk about investments. And I already mentioned our uh, Lavoro 2025, you know, Work 2025, whereby we have seen that 50% of jobs in 2025 will be in a creative domain, which does not mean that they're going to be second-rate jobs, but actually they're jobs that have to do with new technologies. New technologies that also apply to tourism, education, and, uh, and so we want to uh, see an increase in investments both in startup companies and also in R&D. Ma non possiamo pensare che tutti coloro che stanno emigrando, poi tutti i giovani invece che abbiamo in patria e che risultano disoccupati, possano trovare lavoro nel giro di pochi anni. Non siamo di fronte ad un boom economico, non c'è un boom economico in vista. Ci sono le politiche pubbliche oculate che dobbiamo fare e che devono arrivare sulla lunga distanza a reimpiegare la forza lavoro giovane che in questo momento non è impiegata. Ed è per questo che Mentre non facciamo questi investimenti e convertiamo il mondo del lavoro, abbiamo bisogno di dare un sostegno al reddito a chi, soprattutto tra i più giovani, o sta andando via o sta finendo in depressione in Italia. So, uh, we cannot think that all the young people, especially who have emigrated elsewhere, also the unemployed people that we still have in our country, can find a job and can find a solution in just a few years, right? Because there is no like economic boom or expansion in sight in Italy for the time being. So we need to uh, think about uh, long-term public policies that uh, can allow these young people to be uh, retrained or to be prepared for this new scenario that we are thinking about. And therefore, uh, while they are getting ready for this new situation, we have to support them economically, and this is where the idea of basic income or giving some income to young people comes into place so that they have time to get prepared for this new, let's say, uh, labor and work scenario. Now, Tony. Oh. <laughs> Tony Six, <Sachs, laughs> Director of the Arts Center. 
Um, I think what uh, Five Star is showing is actually there's something much deeper taking place globally in politics that we have to understand, particularly elites have to understand and come to grips with. And it struck me in your opening comments that essentially the party structures we have are products of an age that do not exist mm -hmm. any longer. Most of them are post-war structures for politics, um, and they're not really appropriate for the current age. Um, mm -hmm. And as you suggested, those traditional parties don't own issues anymore. Who owns climate change? Mm. Who owns a whole set of the issues that you raised? You can't categorize them any longer as being a right issue or a left issue. Mm. Transparency, accountability. So I think what we're looking at in your example is the emergence of a new kind of politics. Now, whether you agree with the platform or not, that, that's a different set of issues. Um, but I think we need to understand it. And I have just two very brief com uh, questions to you coming out of that, because we are seeing new forms emerging across the world. The first is, I mean, I know you're interested in Italy, but are other groups in other countries contacting you to try and understand how this platform works? direct democracy, not, not in terms of an alliance, but just in terms of, of process. The second brief question I have, because I think this relates to some of the questions of who supports you, who doesn't support you, is really the demographics of your group. Is it very much a younger person-driven thing? Certainly my kids consume politics in a completely different way from the way I'm brought up. Parto dall'ultima. Abbiamo sì un elettorato particolarmente giovane che negli under 30 arriva fino al 60% secondo alcuni sondaggi. 60-65% dei giovani italiani vota per noi. Mentre sul versante over 50, over 45-50, abbiamo circa il 20%. L'altro partito con cui conten ci contendiamo nei sondaggi la prima posizione a settimane alterne, che è il Partito Democratico, ha esattamente eh, la situazione opposta. I numeri sono quasi identici, eh, nei giovani circa il 18-20, eh, nei eh, meno giovani esattamente eh, l'opposto. Eh, L'unica variabile è il partito, vedendo i sondaggi della eh, Lega Nord, che al nord ha il 30%, quindi assorbe da entrambi i nostri, eh, da, da queste due categorie che abbiamo visto nei sondaggi. Quindi sì, abbiamo un elettorato molto giovane, ma devo dire che stiamo crescendo anche ultimamente nell'elettorato diciamo, dei meno giovani, tra i cittadini meno giovani che comunque sono sempre più delusi dai vecchi partiti. Ci sono diverse, diversi contatti, ma non con forze politiche né tradizionali né quelle emergenti diciamo, della famiglia populista europea. Sono principalmente altre forze, altri movimenti che stanno nascendo in Europa legati alla democrazia diretta che non hanno ancora seggi nelle istituzioni.
So I, I will start with the, the second question you asked first. Yes, I have to say that uh, our members are usually tend to be young. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, according to the most recent polls, uh, 60, between 60 and 65% of uh, voters below the age of 30 would vote for the uh, five-star movement. Whereas if we think about uh, people over 45, 50, uh, that's 20%. And uh, if we look at the, the demographics of uh, uh, the Democratic Party, which is our main contender, let's say, sometimes the polls say that we are number one, and the next week they say the Democratic Party is number one, we see that the demographics is like a, a mirror image in the sense that the younger uh, generation is uh, it's just like around 18, 20% would vote for the Democratic Party, and it, it's the older voters who are more their supporters. Then we have another variable in the north. We have the Northern League, and uh, they have 30% of the electorate, and they take evenly from both of the younger and the older group, let's say. So uh, young supporters, uh, well, they are uh, basically behind us, but we are now gaining more and more support also from uh, less young, let's say, older, less young voters, <laughs> who are increasingly becoming disappointed with the usual politics Regarding the contacts that you mentioned, that you asked about, we do not really have contacts with the traditional uh, parties or even emerging populist parties. Mm. It's mostly other movements who want to get organized and who are interested in direct democracy, who are coming to us to find out who we are and what we're doing. I think we, oh, well, this is too good. I'll take a couple more questions. I'm afraid we only have time one. for a couple more questions. First over here. Sorry, guys, sorry. So my question is not for you. My question is for the people here, for the public in general. So my question is the following. Would you recognize the rising of a new fascism if you add in from somebody that can represent this ideology today? What is the movement uh, Five Star? It's interesting, this talk, uh, fantastic, the way you describe uh, uh, actually the reality according to some facts that can be described as alternative facts because the movement Five Stars is not actually what you have described. The story of the movement Five Stars is not what you have described. The movement Five Stars is a list of stuff that somehow match what uh, fascism can be intended today. The movement Five Stars is a movement that basically um, advanced conspiracy theory I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask yeah, you. Yeah, we, we have five minutes. Two minutes. No, no, two, no, minutes. No, no, two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. You've got about 30 seconds. We have had a speech by a... We have had a political speech presenting the movement. I want to say, probably because not all the people know the details of the movement Five Star, that probably the facts that have been that have been described so far are not exactly what we have seen in Italy in over the last five years. The movement Five Star is a movement that is based on conspiracy theories on uh, anti-scientific uh, um, stances. It's a movement that is against free market. It's against uh, the freedom. Yeah, is, is I, I think I'm going to have to take your microphone away because and a lot of people have real questions, and this is about an exchange, and so the rule is question. I hope you have a question. Okay, thank you. Salve. Le rivolgerò la domanda in italiano se non... Come vuole? che sto parlando con la quinta carica dello Stato. No, prego, vorrei parlare, parlare in anche in inglese. Certo eh. Vorrei portare la conversazione su toni un po' più eh, pacati. Eh, allora, sono com eh, completamente in disaccordo, intanto sono Daniele, sono uno studente qui eh, di Cambridge e 
ero stato un iscritto al PD, poi me ne sono allontanato per questioni personali, ultimamente sono eh, ritornato iscritto perché ho un po' paura di voi, non <ride> di voi personalmente, ma del, a delle dinamiche che vedo. Sono assolutamente in disaccordo con quanto ho sentito prima sul fatto che sia un movimento di ignoranza, in realtà credo che sia fin troppo elitista, nel senso Roma è una città di 2 milioni di abitanti e il sindaco è stato eletto da circa 2746 eh, voti. Um, il processo decisionale all'interno del, del Movimento 5 Stelle in realtà è molto elitista, molto elitario nella, nella sua... Uh, poi si pone davanti alla, alla popolazione la domanda sì o no. Ecco, qual è secondo lei il limite diciamo, di, di questo uh, modo di procedere? Non, non, non trovate un, qualcosa di... Uh, come dire, una, una forma di contrasto interno in questa, in questa idea? Grazie. Could, could you yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I will ask my question in Italian because since I'm, I'm talking to uh, one of the highest representatives of the Italian government, I, I will do that. But my name is Daniele. I study here in Cambridge. And uh, I used to be uh, a member of uh, the Democratic Party. Then uh, I was disillusioned, disaffected. And well, actually, for personal reasons, I stopped being a member. Then I joined the Democratic Party again because I'm a little bit scared not by you personally, but you know, by the five-star movement uh, in, in some of its uh, you know, expressions. And uh, I have to say that I, I totally disagree with the comments that I heard earlier about the fact that uh, the five-star movement is made up by ignoramuses and, you know, and it's, uh, it's actually an elitist movement. <laughs> it's actually the opposite in my view. Because if you think about the elections uh, for mayor in Rome, a city with, uh, you know, actually two million, it's actually even more, it's like 3.5 million people, and the name of the candidate was decided by 1,700 people, basically. And then you ask the population, okay, you have to either say yes or no. So, I mean, isn't that a limit? What is the limit, and what kind of conflicts and tensions that this kind of approach give rise to? Il, uh, lo spread... Instead, uh, there were the uh, elections for the Democratic Party to decide a new secretary, a new leader, and 1.8 million people voted for that. So mm. that does, just mm -hmm. to give you a context. Yeah. Forse domani sapremo quali siano veramente i numeri di quella consultazione, <laughs> non lo sappiamo ancora. Però ehm, voglio dire, il, prima di tutto, non mi preoccupa lo spread diciamo, tra il numero di votanti sulla nostra piattaforma e il numero di cittadini italiani. Okay, first of all, we don't know if it's actually 1.8, you know, but it's like uh, about the Democratic Party in the election of, of the secretary. You were saying more than 1 million. Perché, I'm not concerned by, let's say, this gap, this spread between the number of people who vote in our platform and the number of Italian citizens who are called to vote. Perché sostanzialmente il sindaco che è stato individuato dai nostri iscritti come candidato sindaco per diventare sindaco poi deve prendere la maggioranza dei voti dei romani ed è per questo che ha preso quasi il 70% al secondo turno eh, alle comunali di Roma così come il Movimento 5 Stelle quando si è presentato alle politiche del 2013 ha ottenuto quasi 9 milioni di voti anche se quelli che parteciparono alla formazione delle liste tra i nostri iscritti, i nostri iscritti erano 130 mila So, uh, sure, uh, the name of uh, the candidate to become mayor of Rome, right, was uh, 
identified in the way you describe. But I mean, but then in order to become mayor, it, she had to be voted by the majority of, Itali of Roman citizens, which it was actually she got 70% of the votes in the second round. The same applies to uh, the 2013 elections. So now the Five Star Movement received 9 million votes, although the list, let's say, of candidates to the different uh, positions, so to parliament and everything, well, this list was drafted by 130,000 people. E I nostri numeri hanno un trend positivo. Noi siamo una forza giovane, siamo nati da poco e soprattutto Rousseau esiste eh, come piattaforma esiste da pochissimo, ma nonostante questo ogni votazione i nostri numeri crescono. Mentre per il caso che hai fatto tu, l'hai citato tu, hanno perso un altro milione di voti rispetto alle ultime primarie a questo giro. Cioè a noi rincuore il fatto che il nostro trend sia sempre in crescita, però noi non abbiamo dietro la storia del DS del Partito Comunista. Siamo una forza giovane che sta utilizzando la democrazia diretta in uno dei paesi in cui la connettività e il gap legato ad internet è tra i più grandi che ci sono in questo momento in Europa. And uh, uh, we are comforted by the fact that this is a, a rising trend that we are seeing in, uh, with regards to the Five Star Movement. We are a young force and the Rousseau platform has been established only very recently and we have seen that every time there has been a vote on something, the number of people voting for our platform has constantly increased, whereas if we mention the Democratic Party, since you mentioned it yourself, well, uh, let's say 1.8 million people voted, that they lost 1 million people uh, compared to the previous edition of, of, of the primary elections that they had for their party, without mentioning the fact that the Democratic Party has a long tradition and a long history. So. We are young and uh, we engage in direct democracy and in a country, by the way, in which not everybody uses the internet. The internet is not everywhere. And we are ranked amongst the, let's say, the most backward countries in Europe with regards to internet coverage. Quanto al yes or no, quindi al sì o no, e alla decisione che devono prendere i cittadini, ci sono vari, dei nostri iscritti, ci sono vari strumenti. Ci sono gli strumenti che prevedono una risposta sì o no su alcuni temi fondamentali ma c'è anche lo strumento della proposta di legge che permette a un cittadino oggi, se la sua proposta è la più votata, di presentarla in Parlamento, quindi compone una sua proposta e noi la calendarizziamo, ci battiamo per calendarizzarla e questo per me è rivoluzionario perché da cittadino posso presentare in Parlamento una proposta di legge e farla discutere in Parlamento. And uh, you mentioned the yes or no, let's say, decision-making uh, uh, operandi that we have. Well, it does not apply to every vote where members are asked to say yes or no sometimes about very important subjects. However, uh, citizens can also come up with their own bill, basically, their own proposal, that if their proposal uh, garners a majority of votes, then that proposal, actually that bill, will be debated in Parliament, which I think is extraordinary that a common citizen can come up with a, a bill, actually, and this can actually be discussed in Parliament. Partiamo dal presupposto che questo è un esperimento di democrazia diretta, stiamo cercando di spingerlo con tutte le nostre forze, cercando di coinvolgere tutti, perché eh, tu parlavi eh, di elitario, ma ho capito in che senso, dicevi dal punto di vista dei numeri, però è una piattaforma aperta a cui possono iscriversi le persone con carta d'identità e vengono verificate con accuratezza, quindi non è che vengono in qualche modo eh, lanciate eh, e iscritte subito e attivate subito. Hanno bisogno di un po' di tempo proprio perché vogliamo verificarne l'identità. 
I, I'm afraid uh, uh, we're out of time yeah. for questions. This has been, oh, oh yeah. sorry, sorry no, go ahead. Well, this is an, exper an experiment in our democracy uh, that we're trying to push as much as we can. When you talked about the fact that it's an elitist kind of experiment, I understand what you mean. Like, uh, number-wise, it might seem elitist in the sense that you have described, but we're actually an open platform. Everybody is welcome to join. They just have to have a valid ID. Then there is a screening process just because we want to make sure that you know people are bona fide and not for any other reason. And then they're ready to go. Okay, great. Well, this has just been a riveting hour and a half. I think for people who are concerned with democracy, it's an incredible, incredible privilege. Whether you agree with the policies and positions of the Five Stars Movement or disagree, I think what you've heard tonight is uh, perhaps one of the, the most mature efforts at political innovation in this new stage. Following Tony's comments, the traditional parties are stale, perhaps for output reasons, but certainly because they've failed to find ways to connect with uh, citizens and constituencies these days. And if you look around the stable kind of uh, democracies that have been around for several decades, what you notice is that insurgent candidates and insurgent parties are winning the day. Even Barack Obama was an insurgent candidate mm -hmm. in 2008. This time around, Bernie Sanders way overperformed and Donald Trump way, way overperformed. In the UK, Ed Miliband was an insurgent candidate against his brother. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is not the favorite of the Labor Party. Brexit didn't think, it, uh, we didn't think Brexit would go that way. In France, the traditional parties have been decimated in the most recent election. And so what my belief is that what we're going to see for some time now is new politicians and new candidates inventing brand new political methods to try to connect with their constituencies and develop and, and give them real voice and what they feel is connection and influence. And that creative process is bound to be uncomfortable for those of us who are accustomed to 20th century politics. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to AshCast, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovations podcast. For more information about the Ash Center, upcoming events, and future podcasts, please visit our website, ash.harvard.edu, and follow us on social media, at Harvard Ash.